It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, I'd like to welcome in um, a guy I've known for a long, long time. Uh, one of the best uh, talent evaluators in the business. Uh, at least I would consider him top three with myself and maybe one other guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Charles Power uh, of 24-7 Sports. Man, Charles, welcome in uh, to the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, JC. I've been been waiting to come on here, uh, listen quite a bit, and like you said, obviously I've known you for a long time, and I, I definitely owe a lot of my my career t- to you as well, kind of helping me get my foot in the door. And uh, man, I was thinking about it. I've probably man, I've, I've known you for well over well over a decade at this point. So um, yeah, yeah, we, we we go we go way back. Time flies, man. Time flies. Of course, Charles is from Myrtle Beach, and uh, my mother is from Myrtle Beach originally, and. I have a lot of ties to the Grand Strand and Horry County and Charles's brother, Andrew and James both played college football. And, uh, I know Charles's dad, big Charles, big Chuck. Um, so certainly know the whole family down there, but just kind of focusing in, man, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind when, when people talk about this 2021 class in state and we've had conversations about it, it's not probably not as deep as it once as, as maybe some other classes, um, certainly not as top heavy, I think, as maybe um, 2022 appears, and we'll talk about mm-hmm. that later too. Um, but it does seem like, you know, compared to maybe eight, nine months ago, we're starting to see some guys that are, you know, legit national level guys, and then guys that, you know, are, are really solid FBS level players. Yeah, just your overall opinion right now, um, even though we're kind of on a big pause because of the pandemic, right. as to where this class of, of recruits within the state of South Carolina uh, in general stands. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with it. You know, maybe not having the the typical headliners, the early headliners. I mean, even compared to the 2020 cycle, you don't have a, a Jordan Birch at, at the top necessarily right now. But, um, but it, it is fairly – Deep. I think a lot of this group is, is a little bit affected by the lack of, um, you know, the, the evaluation period, um, uh, uh, the lack of a camp circuit, track season, all of that. Um, it maybe kind of slowed the role for some of these guys. Um, but uh, I, I do think, like, I think every year, like South Carolina, you can kind of see a little bit of a oscillation in the, in the talent level every year. But but I think the one constant is you do have good players that maybe emerge a little later than others. I think there's always going to be good players coming from South Carolina. The main difference in cycles could be your elite talent at the top and then how early they kind of um, kind of manifest itself in, in the recruiting process. But, you know, we see guys from South Carolina that might go to, you know, SC State, get drafted, you know, a lot of times. So um, I think there's, there's definitely talent to be had. It just kind of emerges at different points. And um, the 2021 cycle is a little bit like that. And, uh, Certainly, I think um, you have like a lot of upside types that we would want to get more information on, but it's just tough to do that with, um, you know, the whole coronavirus thing. Well, and I'll say this too. I think that the state probably doesn't have as much foot traffic as maybe it once did. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you've, you've, you've always had, you know, schools come in and try to scoop out the big boys. Um, and I think to a certain extent, Charles, and this is kind of a weird theory of mine, I think Alabama's lack of success uh, over the years, and, and, and you know, not saying they never get anybody. They got Chris Bonds and John Fulton, and I think they're mm-hmm. getting a kid this year. Uh, oh, don't forget and, and Christian Miller, and then right. um, 
how could I forget Christian Miller? Uh, yeah. And then the uh, I guess Christian didn't have the, the in-state offers. That's why. And then right. the, the linebacker from um, the linebacker Mike, from Mike, Mike, Hel- Mike Hel- Moody. Yeah, the or, yeah. Okay. Uh, Jalen Moody. Sorry, Jalen Moody. Brother. Yeah. Um, so you know, but, but but I think sometimes when you think about recruiting the South, you know, Bama goes and, and everybody kind of looks at them and follows them. You know, Georgia not, not necessarily had a good one. And then Clemson kind of goes national. And with this, the level of those programs, and then they're mm-hmm. kind of the ones everybody follows, I don't know that a lot of your, you know, your Florida states of the world are not as active as they once were. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of a South Carolina, Virginia Tech, UNC world, right. uh, I guess. Georgia Tech will come over and stuff like that. Um, and that's really not how it used to be. I mean, we used to see uh, a lot of these guys. Remember the guys from Richland Northeast? My God, they'd have uh, – Right. They have like 40, 40 offers. 40 no offers, you know, and then, then yeah. you have some places where, and I'm not going to mention the school where the guy had 40 offers and maybe one of them was committable. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I know. I know, I know you're talking about. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think that, you know, you know, that's just one of those things. But I, yeah. I, I look at it and I think it's more of a state now where late guys that are, that are coming on late. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm looking at this last year. Um, Cole DeMarzo, a linebacker from Hilton Head, Michigan State got him, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, uh, the line, the lineman from Greenville two years ago went to Nebraska. The lineman from Sumter went to Miami and started, started, started the first tr- game, first yeah. game as a true freshman against the Gators. Yeah. Um, you know, the kid from Woodland that Virginia got last year, I thought, uh, you know, big, tall mm-hmm. guy that, that, you know, who, who knows what it'll do. He may end up being a, a stud. Right. Um, uh, of all these guys last year, I wanted to ask you about this one guy in particular on 2020, and then we'll, we'll jump back to 2021. Uh, Dalen Wright from mm-hmm. Saluda that went to Virginia Tech. Um, I thought that guy was the steal, the late steal of the class. Okay, I have I have a pretty good story about Dalen Wright. I was just okay. thinking about this the other day. So Dalen Wright, <clears throat> Dalen Wright. This is kind of we've been having discussions on um, the, the the ranking process process at 24 seven sports and just kind of, you know, redefining three stars. And, and it, it kind of reminded me of, of this, of this Dallin Wright deal. So he was, he did not have a profile when I found out who he was last year. <laughs> this was okay. This was in the state championship game. I, I almost went to the game, but the traffic was so bad. I decided not to go. It was, I believe it was, it was Saluda against um, Barnwell and Barnwell had this uh, linebacker, Deshaun Watson, who went to Juco, who I think is going to be really good. Um, he's, he's a guy that, I would, if I was a South Carolina fan, I would kind of keep tabs on him. He's, I think he's going to Hutchinson. Could be a guy that comes out in a couple years. So I, I, wanted, to go see, um, I wanted to go see Deshaun Watson, and I, I, I wasn't able to get to the game. It was like a 5 p.m. kickoff at, at Benedict Stadium. It was just a, a mess, so I just decided not to go. I was like, I'll just you know, try to watch video on this and, and catch up on it later. Traffic getting over there on two knots tough. at that time it's of tough. day. Rough, man. Rough. Yeah, real, real tough. So, um, so I was reading about it, and I, this receiver named Dallin Wright had like 200-something yards and like f- maybe four touchdowns. I can't remember the exact box score, but it was, it was an eye-popping box score. It's like, all right. I was like, I need to check this out. So, and Saluda was actually in the region with Abbeville, who is really like the, the power in that classification. And they, they, I think they lost to Abbeville in region play, but beat them in the playoffs. Mm. So I was just kind of started to dig on Dallin Wright. So I went to his huddle, watched this video. Turns out like he had, uh, I mean, just, just a crazy, just an exploding senior year. Um, didn't do a ton as a junior, 
and I think he I think he ended up with he had 87 catches for 1500 yards and 25 touchdowns so um wasn't I don't think he was even in he wasn't wasn't in the Shrine Bowl I don't think he was in North South and I think he just had a nickel state offer in basketball at the time so I went ahead and I made him a profile I rated him three stars and like I don't know for a fact but I'd be shocked if that's not how Virginia Tech found him Mm -hmm. um so that was kind of, it's kind of a rare case of like maybe where like the rankings process goes right, you know, because I, I think he was one that, that really kind of flew under the radar and, and also a really good basketball player. I think if he, if he hadn't, it's a, there's a possibility. I think you could have maybe seen him end up at an, a coastal or an app state late in the process. But if he hadn't played, um, if he hadn't ended up at Virginia tech, I could have maybe seen him going to play like mid-major basketball somewhere. Um, but yeah, he's he's a steal. I, I think I think Virginia Tech kind of thinks it sounds like they think he can come in and play. Yeah, so. I, 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 I just just going off his film, I thought really good. And of course, Jakari Caldwell was like that. That you know, mm-hmm. a, another kind of late riser. Of course, he right. was committed to East Carolina. I thought East Carolina and App State and Georgia State. When you kind of look at the totality of last year's in-state class for 2020. Uh, did a pretty good job when you when you kind of look at mm-hmm. you know East Carolina getting the Mason Garcia kid App State you know you go through and look at their guys they got Stan Ellis I loved him Jamari Little John loved him um, mm-hmm. you know Kel, the kid from uh, Hartsville Kelvon Hagler loved him thought he was really good Christian Horn from Westwood's got a shot Eli Wilson from Wren I think could be a big time tight end if he fills out uh, and could play some wide receiver so. You know, I, I think those schools, you know, people wonder why App State's so good. Well, you look at their roster, it's nothing but, you know, evals from North and South Carolina and Georgia, right. you know, exactly. and then and exactly. they win. Um, so that's good. But this, you know, looking at 2021, I, I do feel a, a little better about the class top to bottom um, than maybe I did. And mm-hmm. the first guy I want to ask you about is this kid from Gaffney, uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Mm-hmm. Now, you know – he started off, and and I agreed. You know, he's probably like a ninety. He screamed ninety to me all all this film. Measured six three and a half, two forty four at South Carolina's camp last year. Well, he's now six five and a half, two ninety eight. Right. And <laughs> there was a video. I don't know if you saw this or not, because I know you're kind of looking for things to evaluate because there's nothing to evaluate. All right, so so my man's in a pool in three feet of water, like a pool, like a swimming pool. And flat-footed, he jumps out of the pool onto the deck. I have, I have, I have not seen that, but I, need, I definitely need you to definitely look that need up. Definitely need to check that out, man. Because I was like, "Wow, <laughs> you know, at six five two ninety eight, and you kind of look at him, and um, I honestly, you know, who am I to question the mighty Clemson Tigers and their, you know, recruiting choices? But man, I, I I'd take this kid over Peyton Page. Uh, any day and twice on Sunday. Yeah. And and he grew up a Clemson guy too. So they could, they could have easily had him, but you know, it looks like the Gamecocks, Georgia, Tennessee, maybe UNC sneaks in there. Yeah. I I would, I mean, I would take him over Peyton page as well. I think they're just kind of guys who are based on what we know and it could always change between now and, you know, the final rankings, but they seem to be two that are kind of trending in different directions in terms of just their, their arc and how, how they're developing. Um, But yeah, Terry Ingram Dawkins, I think very similar to kind of the numbers you had from the South Carolina camp. I think last year at uh, the opening in Charlotte, he was six, three and a half, about two forty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he, it's one thing that 
it's, it's useful to have all of these measurements on, on younger players because we, we get like a hand size and an arm length on him that really kind of indicated that he probably isn't done growing. And of course, like he, he just shot up. I think I got a number um, from one of his visits. I think it was maybe to Georgia um, that he was, you know, flirting around 300 pounds. Um, but really more importantly, had gotten a lot taller and, and just kind of overall filled out. And uh, I think the more we watched him and the more we kind of like his ranking shot up when we kind of got into um, comparing all the defensive tackles together. That's kind of one thing we tried to do. Um, I mean, JC, you know, this like putting together that first top two, four, seven for, for the rising seniors is really kind of like you're drinking a fire out of a or water out of a fire hose. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that one silver lining of not having a lot of stuff to evaluate is we really got to double down and like compare within the positions. And that was, he was one, um, and there was a couple, maybe two or three w- within the defensive tackle group that the more we looked at him and compared him to the guys from different regions, we thought like he was too low. And so that's really kind of why he went up. And, um, you know, all of the college feedback we've got on him is really strong as well. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who I, th- I think is just kind of has a lot of physical potential and is like a late bloomer. Um, I, I actually probably have his birthday somewhere, but I want to say he's, he's like maybe like a later birthday kid as well. So, um, yeah, I think he, Right now, if I was banking on a guy with the highest upside in this in the South Carolina class, he would probably be the one in this. You know why we have him ranked the highest right now? Yeah, he's 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 a uh, he's really good. He's kind of grown on me. Up, upstate South Carolina guy too. Always uh, always good to see people from the motherland probably, do well. Probably probably the highest rated player from Gaffney uh, in a while. I would think. Like he, I mean, probably he since Quinshaw Quinshaw Davis was the last guy. I yeah, Quinshaw would have been a four star, low um, four. Kind of, yeah, he was top yeah. two forty seven. Yeah. Um, before that, you know, you had your Sydney Rices, and then back you had to go all the way back to like Jeff Littlejohn and, and, mm-hmm. and those guys. Um, so right. uh, Dominique Stevenson, I think, was yeah. Gaffney, played on that Tennessee team. Um, are you surprised? And I know you guys have him ninth. Are you surprised Josh Burrell is third in twenty four seven Sports composite? And are you surprised Florida State took him? Uh, a little bit of both. I, I think some of that is. I think some of the other networks aren't updating their rankings as much without camps and the, the, the shutdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think some of that is a product of him just getting on the radar really early as a freshman and sophomore. But like when I went through and was looking at it, I, I thought, I mean, I think we initially had him as a four star. I thought that was probably a little high just going off his junior season. I mean, the, the, the comp to me, the common sense way to approach this is it's like what, whatever you've done, the most recently should be the most important. So if you could, if just because you're on the radar as a freshman or a sophomore, doesn't mean you're necessarily going to hold that status. You have to, the junior year is more important than the rest of that combined to me. Um, so, so a, a little bit, um, you know, recruiting is weird this year, man. Like it's just, you, you see some of this and, and I think Florida state w- with that staff, it's, it's a tough situation with a lot of the new staff. They have to kind of come in and, they can't get guys on campus. Um, you, it's just tough to kind of build the relationships when they haven't. In a lot of cases, I think you're seeing a benefit of um, staff continuity in this cycle with prospects who have visited as underclassmen. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it, it can kind of affect uh, you know your your sales pitch and just who you can get uh, as a new staff. So that could maybe play into it a little bit as well. But yeah, I was I'm, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, I think there's so many good, I mean, there's so many good receivers in Florida. Like is, that's to me, if, if you're Florida state, you have to, to go out of, to go to South Carolina and get a receiver that he better be like, like a, you know, a really good to, to personally. And he's um, a bigger, 
bigger, thick kid too. Yeah. I, mean, I can maybe, yeah, I can maybe see him. Yeah, exactly. I can maybe see him play, playing linebacker safety or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought honestly when I when I evaluated, my my feeling was he'd probably go someplace like App State and be a linebacker. And then, look, mm-hmm. that's not and maybe be in the NFL. That's nothing against him. I just thought mm-hmm. maybe you know, that was kind of the path I saw for him. Yeah. All right, so Robbie Oots. Uh, that's I call him Oots. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it or not. Yeah. So this guy's probably going to Alabama, and I, you know, because just for those out there that want the scoop on this, he he drove to Alabama during the pandemic and just sort of walked around, mm-hmm. which I think that's hardcore, and and that can make an impression on you. You see the statue with the bear and uh, Nick Saban out there and uh, all that, but um, you know, I. I think he's almost one of these guys, Charles, that – and I'll get your take on him, obviously – that could end up being like NFL good. Right. But you just – there's not enough in the passing game for me to like go all in with him and say he's the next guy in the state for me. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know, you know, maybe that ends up being the case, maybe not. I like him a lot. I think the – I mean, the Alabama interest certainly is not surprising because he's a heck of an athlete and he's a, he's a butt kicker when you watch mm-hmm. him on film. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, he, he's one where, where, again, the pandemic, we don't have a, the, enough info. And then, then his school doesn't throw the ball that much. So you're right. kind of like, well, you know, what can he do? But uh, he's a guy I do feel good about. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you were very early on on touting him, JC. I mean, like, uh, and it really kind of made me want to go back and look at him even harder. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, like, there are some very promising signs that 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 he is that Robbie Oots, I guess is how you pronounce. It. I haven't got a, an official pronunciation either. I think uh, is, Oots is easier to yeah. say. Some will call yeah. him Oots, Oots, you know. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, uh, there's a very I mean there's there's some there's some strong signs that that he probably is is better than where he's currently rated, but there's just not enough evidence to really um back that. Like like you said, he's not a ton of production um in, in the passing game as a junior uh, in when you look at tight ends like that, that get drafted high, it's tight ends a weird position where you kind of have guys come from from all walks and different positions, and it's really kind of a like what I would call like an athlete position. Um, the 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 main types that you see drafted, you see the ones who are kind of your your uh, big receivers who grow into tight ends is kind of like your Mark Andrews, Hunter Henry's guys like that. And then you see the ones who are kind of your two way athletes who might be a defensive end that also plays tight end. Um, you know, OJ Howard probably would have fallen in that category. Noah Fant, who went to Iowa, would have been one like that. Yeah. Um, and then you have guys that just kind of come out of nowhere. Like uh, Hayden Hurst would have been a good example of a guy who just kind of came out of nowhere. Major League Baseball guy who was a walk-on uh, and, and ended up being drafted early. Um, so it, it's definitely a weird – there's not like a, a for sure prototype on this, but uh, – they but, used to go to Iowa, you know. You yeah, go to yeah. Iowa or Notre Dame every year and find yeah. a guy like this, and you're like, wow, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But like uh, Robbie Oots, it's it's I you know I, I think there there are some strong signs. He's a really good athlete and definitely a good blocker. And I think that's one reason why Alabama is drawn to him is they kind of they definitely prioritize blocking with their tight ends. Sure, yeah, um, you got to do that. But 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 he uh, he he's one that I think if if you're kind of looking at a guy in South Carolina who if we have a season and or just have more exposure to to these guys would be one that I think would have a decent shot of, of continuing to move up. And there are others as well. I mean, it, I think this, this class in South Carolina, the cycle in South Carolina is full of guys like that. Like TJ Sanders is like that. He's played one year of football. 
Um, so it, there, there's several, and hopefully we can get a season and you know have the Shrine Bowl and have these opportunities to to see all of them. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, he's he's very interesting and one that I've looked at closely and talked about a lot as as a guy that we just just need more just need more evidence on. Yeah, that's one of the things where they're not being a lot, as much foot traffic and all. And I think he almost recruited Bama more so than Bama initially recruiting him. And um, I don't blame him. All right, so you know, South Carolina is probably going to place Elijah Davis from Wagner Sally. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's one of those guys. A lot of these small schools in the state end up producing really good players. Um, I go all the way back to John Abraham being at Lamar, you know, really good mm-hmm. guy. And I think this could be, you know, one of those next guys, quick first step, probably going to go to Juco. But, you know, Elijah Davis to me is, is a big physical natural pass rusher that, that could probably make some things happen in time. Yeah, I, I thought so when I was initially kind of going through and comparing these defensive linemen. I mean, I thought – he showed a lot of promise. Um, that that whole group, uh, there's really kind of the, the three that I was kind of comparing initially were were uh, T.J. Sanders, Elijah Davis, and Jatius Gear, who who is committed to Syracuse um, from Belt Path. and uh, uh, they're all kind of in that same same group as ones you want to see. But I thought Elijah Davis definitely showed some some flashes on on video. Made a lot of plays in the backfield. Um, kind of showed some promise as a basketball player as well just kind of cross-reference how he moves. Um, but, but uh, yeah, I, I think he would – if you could get him as a placement, that would be ideal. And that's one thing, JC, I, I know you've written about this a lot. I think a competitive advantage of South Carolina in re- recruiting the state, and we saw this really like – I mean, Javon Kinlaw is the, the perfect example. Mm-hmm. If, you can, if you can identify these, these guys who are, are behind the eight ball academically, get them in JUCO, get them out a, as quick as possible, and, and you know, get, uh, get three – two, three years of them um, – in, in like your, your main competition is, you know, in state Clemson, it doesn't take Juco players. So that that's right there. Kind of a, a packed in advantage you have. And we've seen a ton of Juco players from South Carolina go on to get drafted. I mean, the list is very long, uh, yeah. you know, like, like, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence, Cordero Patterson, I could just, you could just keep going on and on yeah. with, with, with those guys. So I think if you identify them early uh, and it's just kind of a, a baked in advantage, uh, in, in recruiting the state in South Carolina probably maybe has outside of Mississippi and Alabama might have as many of those guys that go to Juco and end up hitting a, as any other state, especially in the South. So I think that's, that's a really smart strategy. Yeah. It's something South Carolina should always do. In my oh, I would agree. You can go all the way back to, you know, I guess I, I kind of like to go back to 2000. Uh, historically the nineties get fuzzy for me, but uh, you know, Jonathan Joseph, not a lot of people realize yep. he was, he was a junior college player. Right. One and done, one and done junior college guy. He's a, yeah. he's a, every time I, Jonathan Joseph still in the NFL. Every time I see him, I just always think like whenever he declared early, I think all the South Carolina fans are just collectively like, really? And then, then he goes out and runs like a four, three and gets drafted in the first round and has like a 15 year NFL career, or maybe even longer than that. I don't know how long he's been in the league forever, but uh, yeah, no, no doubt. He was a one and done out of Coffeyville, Right. So uh yeah, came, yeah, came back. I think he was at Rock Hill High School, right? Uh, maybe Northwestern. It wasn't South. There wasn't a South. Yeah, I think he. There. I think he was at. I want to say he was at Northwestern. I believe. But, yeah, uh, Co Simpson was Rock Hill High. Right. And, right. And Co-, Co was not a JUCO. He was a uh, a gray shirt. <laughs> Holtz uh, Holtz delayed his enrollment. The next year he comes in and he was an All American. That yep. was a. Uh, that's one of those things. That first Spurrier team. A lot of people don't think about this. 
Um, that first Spurrier team had a decent defensive backfield. I mean, with mm-hmm. Coach Simpson, Jonathan Joseph, uh, they played really hard and good. They finally found was some it, answers. Huh? Was it Fred Bennett, one of the other ones? Fred I Bennett was back there. Yeah, that's right. Fred Bennett was back there. So he was another uh, NFL guy. Um, you know, and, and then you kind of looked at it, and once once they decided, look, Ricardo Hurley, you're not you're not really the middle line. But, I mean, they put Dustin Lindsay in there. Mm-hmm. Their defense was actually good. The problem with that team was, Charles, all right, th- there were a lot of things that happened. Demetrius Summers got kicked off the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Boyd got suspended for the whole year the next year. Troy Williamson, what, speaking of guys that went pro that were head scratchers that ended up being – top picks went pro early he got right. drafted seventh overall so yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with that but think about that team had um had troy williamson come back had had demetrius summers and Corey boyd been your running backs um and then you got that defensive backfield i mean my goodness that that really that first and then of course Sidney rice kenny mckinley and and all mm-hmm. the guys that did play well for that group i mean yep. they could have they could have won some games. That, that's that's yep. one. Of, that's a big what if. A lot of people don't always talk about. Yeah, the, the I just remember looking back on that team, thinking, man, like I don't think enough people talk about how well they hid some of their deficiencies on the offensive line. Oh God, yeah. Like man, like I mean, those guys were were definitely playing above their heads, but they had some guys in that offensive line that were just like, I mean, you would have never thought would have been SEC players, and Mm-mm. um. You know, like when I was in school, like I, I got to know some of them and they were all good guys, but man, like <laughs> that was, you know, I, I think if you're, it's just not an ideal situation, especially when you have a, a, a drop back passer like Blake Mitchell, who wasn't the most mobile, like yeah. you're talking about like the timing and all of the stuff that Spurrier had to do to kind of hide some of that stuff. Like that's, that coaching job is probably not talked about enough to go in and, and win the games that they did. Yeah, I forgot on. Savelle Newton actually also got hurt against Vanderbilt that year. Mm-hmm. That was the year he he I think he had a touchdown in three different ways and yep. popped his Achilles. Yeah, he played he was played running back, quarterback, and receiver that game. Spurrier just kind of figured out how to use him. And then mm-hmm. on his last touchdown, he popped his Achilles and was out for the rest of the year. Yep. So, 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 so if you think about it, if you'd have had Savelle doing all that the whole year, Summers and Boyd with their, you know, their heads on straight in the backfield, um, you know, Troy Williamson running the – I mean, that team could have <laughs> – good Lord. Oh, yeah. That team could have been really, really good. We don't – No doubt. I remember, yeah. I remember some of those offensive linemen in the early Spurrier years, man. Especially that first year, they marched out Brooke Antonio, a walk-on, um, from Arizona that first game, and he, he mm-hmm. was not that good. And they, they ended up having to play, I think, it was either Seth Edwards or Thomas Coleman. One was a walk-on that ended up starting and solidifying it. Yeah, Tom, I, I know Thomas Coleman, I think, started at center, yeah. I want to say. Freddie St. Pro moved in there for the D-line. And then they had Nashawn Goddard and Jabari Levy. And Goddard was really good. Levy never really panned out, but he was at least a big guy. Uh, and then after that, the era of the Canadian lumberjack Justin Sorensen started, and the next three seasons he started yep. at right tackle. And I just uh, and I, I remember Justin Sorensen. I know he he was one that that the fans were always kind of on, but he had a re- he had a really good game against Clemson that year. I want to say mm-hmm. I was it who was he? I'm trying to remember who who he was blocking. Was it Gaines Adams? He he oh, shut man. he shut down whoever Clemson's top edge rusher was that game. And it was kind of like, nobody saw that coming. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just remember that. I just remember that kind of endeared, endeared him a little bit more so than, cause he was, 
he was definitely a little bit of a punching bag on the message boards back in the day. Certainly. So. I mean, he, he was one of those guys. All right. So the 25, you know, justice Boone is a guy committed to Florida right now. You know, before I kind of dug into Ingram Dawkins, you know, Boone was probably the first big name we heard about. I, I like him. I don't know what to make of him. Um, I think he's got upside. I don't, I don't know that he's, I don't know that I'm as fired up about him as maybe an Ingram Dawkins or, you know, just the uh, the the endless upside of a TJ Sanders. What do you think about Justice mm-hmm. Boone? Yeah, I actually I actually saw him play. I, I saw Sumter play against Spring Valley last year because um, at the time he was probably the the one who was the most on the radar um, as you know considered the top defensive lineman in, in the state at the time, and he he was. He was good. Uh, he wasn't like blow you away, like a no brainer type. I think he's one that uh, similar to Ingram Dawkins. We initially had Justice Boone as like a high three star and kind of thought he was maybe a fringe type, but comparing him to some other defensive linemen from other regions, we decided to kind of move him up a little bit. I, I think, I think he's good. He, I, I could maybe see him growing into a defensive tackle in, in time. Um, I, I probably want to get a better picture for his frame before I would go all in on that. But um you know, I, I, de- I think he's one of the better players in Florida's class. Like when you look at their class, um, you know, I, he's, he's one that if I was South Carolina, I would, I would continue to, to work him and, and, you know, go after him. Um, but I, I think he's a, a solid, you know, low to mid four-star type. Um, but probably you know, like, I would agree probably maybe a higher floor player that, that maybe doesn't have quite the, the upside of a Ingram Dawkins or maybe even like a Sanders, like you said, I mean, he's like Sanders is just, kind of interesting because he's just so new to football but um you know I, I i went when i went and watched sumter play you know going around and seeing some of these high school teams i gotta say like and i know that they did, probably didn't like capitalize on it but that was one of the the best looking teams that i've seen in, in a couple years just physically like they have they had maybe three or four guys that were over six four um mm. they had they actually had a running back who signed with uh georgia southern who tore his acl but he was like uh you know, a sub 11, uh, hundred meter guy who's really fast. Um, they, they had a lot of good players and the, the game was actually way closer than it should have been the game that I went to against spring Valley. But, um, I'll, I'll, I would say like, that was, that's a, a team and kind of area to maybe watch for, you know, looking at some, some top prospects coming, coming on. Like they had a, they had a kid who, um, who signed with UConn in, in 2020 who ended up playing last year, uh, in, in, or sorry, in, in 2019, who ended up playing last year and, and was a big defensive end who played uh, uh, mm. played play basketball. His name's escaping right now. I'm going to look it up real quick. But he was uh, he was good. So, I, yeah, Sumter's definitely had some talent. But but I kind of agree with you. I, I think, uh, uh, you know, he probably is, is one that's more of a higher floor type. Uh, O'Donnell Fortune, of course, going to South Carolina uh, yep. from, it, from there. In, in that game, O'Donnell Fortune um, – he had a couple of just monster hits. Like he just depleted. Uh, he didn't really get thrown at much, um, but uh, but he he really like just kind of separated the receiver from the ball a couple times. So the 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 defensive end from from Sumter was, was his name's Eric Watts, who went to UConn, and they also had, of course, had Zion Nelson, the left tackle from Miami. So they really have had like some <laughs> some, some 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 jumbo athletes here in the last couple of years. I don't I don't know if they there's been a change there recently or not. Mark Barnes was the head coach there. He's, he, he's still the coach. Yeah, he was the head coach at uh, Scotland County. 
in Laurenburg, North Carolina, that when uh, Travian Robertson and Jay Wooten and Byron McKnight mm-hmm. uh, came out from that school. Um, so kind of a guy that's coached a lot of future Gamecocks and a lot of yep. players that have gone elsewhere too. So yep. uh, certainly that was a uh, – a good a good thing to see him surfacing in the great state of South Carolina and Sumter Sumter's a place honestly South the University of South Carolina should always do a good job in I mean they mm-hmm. they tend to um, tend to do a good job and I think probably if I had to put odds on it right now I'd, I'd say the Gamecocks are probably fifty fifty as to whether or not they flip Boone um, and you know a lot depends on visits you know because uh, there right. may not there not may not be any official visits this year so yeah we, we have to see. 2022 looks good at the top um, in South Carolina. Tell me, tell me kind of what you know about some of these guys. Uh, first of all, uh, were you involved in rating the kid from South Lake Carroll number one? Yes, yes, I was. Uh, tell us about so, him, Quinn Ewers from South Quinn, Lake Carroll, Quinn, Texas. Quinn Ewers. So Ewers. So uh, yeah, I mean, he's one that is really kind of came on just during the fall like I try to follow Texas high school football pretty closely um during the fall it the coverage there makes it easier to follow um and I get I have it kind of it rigged up to where I can watch some games live and track it closely and so it obviously you know South Lake Carroll's a huge high school um one of the you know most well-known public programs in the country I would say like they've had you know uh Chase Daniel Greg McElroy uh were, were, were guys who played there um ton of ton of history and they play at the highest level in texas so just kind of following that you could see pretty quickly this guy is like unique as, as a sophomore he's just very advanced um i mean I, I wrote a story last week when we kind of rolled out the rankings kind of saying like explaining why we think he's the best junior quarterback prospect since trevor lawrence and i mean it just he backs it up as a player i don't think he's quite as physically talented as trevor lawrence like from an arm talent perspective but uh Man, he was he was probably the best quarterback in Texas last year, more. Um, and if he was in the twenty twenty one class, I think he'd have a strong argument to be in the top quarterback as well, and just nationally. So um, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. It's always precarious ranking guys early, ranking quarterbacks early. It's definitely a developmental position, but uh, I feel pretty good about about him. Um, you know, at, at the very minimum, ending up as a five star, being a top guy. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I know it was always sweet when we found the quarterback, like when we were doing it early. And you guys do yeah. it a lot earlier than, you know, maybe I did. Well, I mean, I guess around this time, it would have been, been about time. My, my clock has been sort of stopped since March, you know. Right. There's no baseball on TV or anything like that. But, uh, you, you know, it, it's just easier when you got that quarterback, you know, that could be yeah. the number one guy. Because, I mean, people don't understand the, the, the pain that you have to go through to rank number one because – you know, there, there's always a stud running back, you know, mm-hmm. and then you got to ask yourself because of position value and data, you know, is he the next Herschel Walker or is he the next Adrian Peterson? If so, then he could be in this discussion. If not, you know, he's just a top 10 guy. Mm-hmm. So then, so then you go defensive end and then, you know, you have people out there, nobody that works for us, thank God, but people love to you know rank the six foot two 245 pound defensive ends as five stars because they have right. really film and those guys don't, you know they don't really pan out so then you have to you have to deal with that uh-huh. um the, the byron cowart uh, evaluation we all remember that one um, yeah. i think i was still doing rankings at the time you know that guy was six two and a half i had a lot of uh issues with him being number one same with xavier thomas i didn't say anything about it at the time 
because of where he went to school. And, you, you know, I thought top five guy, but, uh, you know, it's hard mm-hmm. because you have younger defensive ends at high position that look like all Americans, but do they have the measurables? We don't know. So when you find right. that quarterback, I think it's sweet. Yeah, because no, it, it is. You can even come off of him eventually. Like, if you get into a Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence debate, so be it. <laughs> yeah, no, no so doubt. But, you know, if you're just sitting there talking about this one defensive end versus this other guy and this other guy, it's hard. I mean, the Eric Armstead year where he was number one most of the year and then he wasn't, I probably shouldn't have, probably should have come off of that now that I look at it. But uh, mm. that was a difficult year, not in ranking guys, but ranking who was number one. Yeah, it, it, it's it's tough to compare positionally when you're talking number one. Like, I, I mean, recently a good example of that would have been um, – the uh the 2019 cycle where i think most people thought Derek stingley was probably the best player in the in the class Mm -hmm. but it's tough like if you're going to make the positional argument it's tough to say okay we should rank a corner number one overall whereas i almost kind of look at it now i think one of the one thing i kind of learned from that was if 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 you really do think like corner is a position where it's increasingly valuable you, you can see corners drafted, maybe not number one overall, but you could see them drafted second or third or top five. If, if he's by far the best one, you probably should go with that. Because, I, I mean, I, I wrote a story uh, in that final rankings release saying Stingley's the best corner we've ever seen. So, you know, in hindsight, yeah. probably should have ranked number one. But, but it, it, it's a tough situation, but it definitely does make it way easier when you, when you identify the, the elite quarterback early. Like, that's, that's, a, not, that's definitely – a luxury that uh, that I'm glad we had in, in 2022. Just looking at it, probably the best guy I saw when I was out on the road was Patrick Peterson, and just, that was just because, you know, you had a lot of folks that were pretending to be corners, uh, you know, out mm-hmm. the, uh, a, few, a few years later, Jabril Peppers kind of fell into this category. Yeah. And you're like, you're, you just look at him, you're just like, you're not a corner. Well, Patrick Peterson was that big. And then, you know, I remember going to Florida. They had something called – they called it Friday Night Lights, I guess. They were mm-hmm. – when Urban Meyer was there, they were one of the first schools that had like a, a big deal, you know. Yeah, like a showcase and, camp. And that year there were a ton of fast players in my – in most, most of them went to Miami, but a ton of fast receivers from South Florida. And I watched this kid go up against every one of them and shut him down. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and he ended up being really, really special. Um but, you know, it's tough. So, And I thought with Stingley, I was like, that's probably the best since Peterson if I were doing it. And he turned out right. to have a, a heck of an early year. All right, so Jaden Lucas, big corner for Malden, Jaleel Skinner. Uh, what do you think about those two guys from the upstate? Three out of the four, top four in South Carolina now for 2022 are from the upstate of South Carolina. Yeah, so um, so yeah, so yeah, so Lucas was one when we were doing – we were going back through the corners – uh, we thought he was, he was, I think he was initially in the, like around 80, 82, maybe. And we moved him up to, to 31 overall. Um, I, I think just in terms of the thing that probably pops out the most about him is he's got a good size already, um, in terms of the, like, the stature and just a very fluid mover. Um, he can play, he plays multiple styles of coverage. Like I think a lot of the corners we were watching were kind of playing like zone and just off and you, you see, get to see him press and be physical at the line. He's, and he transitions really well. It's like there's no stiffness about his game at all. Um, so I, I think just as a, as a sophomore corner, um, his video, I thought stood out for sure. Uh, you know, just moving forward. I, I think one thing would be great to see with, with him was, you know, I would, it would be awesome to see, maybe see him play some offense. That's one thing we kind of find with corners is it, just studying the developmental arcs of the guys who ended up being the best players. And the ones who get drafted high 
a lot of them play offense uh, and that kind of hones ball skills. And if you think about it, if you're, if you're that good of a playmaker, it, it makes sense for your high school team to, to put you on, on offense where you can score touchdowns and also, you know, cover as well. Um, so definitely like, definitely like Jaden Lucas a lot. Um, and Jalil Skinner is one where I, I I've, I've seen Jalil Skinner twice in 2020 before the shutdown. I saw him at the, all-american bowl combine uh in january and i saw him at a seven on seven uh in myrtle beach uh in maybe early february i want to say and he is one that's interesting situation uh, we, we we re-ranked him as a tight end um you know, he's six five probably depending on how much weight he's put on the last couple of months i would say 205 to 215 maybe even 220 but he has a very unique uh frame and like speed combination uh, he's got like around a seven foot wingspan and at the all American bowl combine, he ran the fourth fastest time out of like several hundred prospects. Uh, it was a four, six, two. And for anybody who looks who knows those times that, I mean, that might not catch your attention, but if you actually know those times at that event and how slow that track is, if he goes to any other combine, like if he runs that at like a, an opening, it's like a four, four. Um, so you're talking about a guy that's very unique physically, um, I actually kind of like, I, I, I need to write a, a evaluation for his profile, but, um, I would maybe compare him to like a Jerry cook type a- athletically for, for South Carolina events. You're kind of looking for somebody that would maybe draw similarities, similarities there. So he, he's unique. He's the main thing with Jill Skinner is he just got to like play more and, uh, you know, Greer had a weird situation, uh, like last year where he, he had a really good freshman year played against Myrtle beach in the state championship game and looked really promising and, Last year, their their offense just wasn't very good. They had some, you know, issues at quarterback. They were playing him at like tight end and even corner a little bit. Mm. So, um, but he's one. He's he's a pure upside play at this point. Um, he's going to need to continue progressing to kind of keep that spot. But uh, the the physical ability is just so intriguing. Uh, you know, he he's definitely pretty unique there. Yeah, there's a guy. Uh, gosh, when I was at Rivals back in the, I guess it was class of '08. Uh, Jonathan Baldwin was a player huh. that, yeah, you know, we looked at him, he was big, you know, and we actually did make the switch and flip him to tight end. And then we flipped him back because <laughs> uh, he had a, he had just a huge senior season at wide receiver. And then of course mm-hmm. went on to pit and then we ended up being, you know, having a really good NFL career. I think, he, he, I think he, yeah, I think he might've been like a first or second round pick actually. Yeah. yeah. He ended up being legit and you look back and I'm like, well, I'm glad we didn't leave him at, uh, at tight end. But, uh, I think that I, uh, I think I left before, you know, I ended up having to actually own that. So that's, <laughs> I think I went to ESPN before that, but uh, yeah, right. Baldwin. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's a player comparison there. Maybe Jared Cook, you know, Jared Cook, the thing about him, great player, great basketball player, elite athlete, a tad stiff to stay mm-hmm. at receiver, especially in Spurrier's mm-hmm. system, but um, certainly caught a lot of passes for the Gamecocks. And then now, I mean, he's still in the league, you know. Yeah, he's kind of like he's kind of like the Jonathan Joseph of of, of the tight ends a little bit. I mean, that's the yes. thing is, you ask you ask any South Carolina fan about Jerry Cook, they're going to say he dropped those passes against Auburn. Like that's yeah. what he's going to be remembered as. But he has had a really good NFL career. Absolutely, very solid. Um, you know, and then of course Jalen Sneed and Colin Sadler, three of the top four from Greenville County. From yeah, Greenville. And I'm from Spartanburg County, right? And this is abnormal. Um, maybe it has something to do with the growth in the Greenville area, but it's abnormal for three of the top players in the state 
three out of the top four to be from Greenville yeah. County. And it's not that not that there's not people there. It's just those football programs are not historically, you know, productive uh, in terms of the elite athletes. Of course, this favors Clemson <laughs> for all you listening out there. But um, right. it's kind of an abnormal, abnormal year in that regard. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that for sure. Um, I, I think we've seen we've seen a little more players from Greenville. Like Greer had um, had Troy Pride. He went to to Notre Dame a couple years ago um, and got drafted this year. But for sure, and I, I would also note that like Sadler, I think is fourth in the composite. Adam Randall from Myrtle Beach, we we have fourth, but I don't think he's been ranked by anybody else. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, but we have him like one seventy six. So he's technically fourth on twenty four seven. But Sadler's oh, okay. fourth in the composite. Um, but but yeah, I mean I. Like, uh, I, I, I agree. Like I, it, it de- definitely appears to definitely like be a little bit of an uptick in, in Greenville. Like that is, I didn't, I would have not have noticed that, but having those three guys, like, especially like Malden, we haven't had a, a ton of guys from, from Malden. I mean, I like Brian Maddox and that's about it. I would say, uh, and, and actually, Andrew, Andrew Phillips who went to Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Last yeah, year. Yeah. Kid, yeah. 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 But, but yeah, that's the first one in a long time. I mean, it, the kid, the kid that ended up going to JUCO and then to Florida, and he Massey, Matt Dre Massey, yep, Dre Massey, yeah, for sick, sure, never healthy. He's a, he's a Malden kid, but other than that, no. There's, uh, there's another, there's another, there's a receiver at Malden this year who I, I kind of have tabbed as an upside type. His name's Jamison Tucker. Uh, I think he has an offer from East Carolina. He's a mid three star for us right now. Didn't have a ton of production, but. uh all state basketball player, like a very bouncy basketball player. He's one that I would kind of look for if you're looking for a guy who could maybe be like the Jakari Caldwell type who has like a really big final year, um, hopefully, uh, and is one who can maybe like a Shrine Bowl type riser. But but he he plays with Jaden Lucas at, at Malden. But but no doubt, I mean it's that 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 is, that is not common to, to see three of the top five from from Greenville County um, for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned Adam Randall and I'll compare him to JJ Jones. So, um, yeah, I, I think there, there, there are a little, there, there, there are definitely some similarities. I, the, the main thing is, so JJ Jones was kind of new, uh, to, to receiver. He transferred over from Sockesty last year and had, had a really big season, uh, at, at, at Myrtle beach. I think he maybe had like 15, 16 touchdowns, um, as, as the primary receiver, uh, and, and of course he committed to UNC, uh, probably about a month or two ago. Um, and a- Adam Randall is, uh, what w- missed a good bit of the year with, with injury. Um, and Myrtle beach had a weird, they had a weird season last year. Probably. I mean, maybe they have an argument to be the most talented team in school history with, with Doty and those, in those two receivers. They also had Darius Huff, who I think ended up going to, uh, Gardner Webb, just a really talented passing game, but they were just all kind of, um, none of them were healthy. Like, I think they maybe had the full complement only a couple of games last year. So Adam Randall missed a lot of time, but when he was in, he looked really good. I had a couple of big catches in the state championship game. I think he comparing him to JJ Jones. Um, you know, I think you would want to see Randall increase his production. I think he's primed for a big year, but I mean, I've gotten some feedback on them. I've heard that Adam Randall actually probably is maybe a little faster than JJ Jones right now. Um, beat him in a race recently. Uh-oh. What I heard. Uh, but, uh, but uh, uh, they're, they're both like, big physical uh, receivers with ball skills. Um, I, I think Randall has like a kind of the, the skill set you want to, you want to see with the bigger receiver. Um, I, I think one thing you look for is, is, is guys with, with feet and ability to change directions it, kind of within their routes. And I think he shows that in addition to like the size and ball skills. So um, 
you know, I think he's a top receiver in, in 2022 in the state right now. And, um, a pretty, pretty safe prospect in terms of his floor and we'll, we'll see how he kind of continues to improve, but, uh, you know, pr- pretty talented, pretty talented guy. All right. Wrap it up here with Charles power from 24 seven sports. Um, man, uh, certainly was a great conversation. Uh, yeah. I hope we can do this again. You know, I, yeah, I, 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 have I, me on any time. I, I, I would lo- love to. I hope the pandemic doesn't keep you from going and seeing things and stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, I hope we have a football season and, you know, like you said, a shrine bowl and all that, that would be uh that would be choice. Cause I know, I know haven't done it for all those years, you know, it, you can only watch so much film and then you want to go out on the road, mm-hmm. just like you really can only go out on the road so long. And then you need to kind of take a break and watch some film and stuff. It's, right. It, yeah. It, 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 it's certainly something that you, you need that balance with. For sure. It's just like, I, I kind of compare it. It's like, you know, putting together a puzzle or, or painting a picture, you, you, you pull all the different stuff to kind of make it as, as clear as possible, but it's tough to do, do it all on, on one side or all on the other. I mean, you could go see all the prospects in person and never watch film and not have any kind of context for what kind of football player they are. So uh, exactly. it definitely, it informs it. I, JC, I mean, I know you, uh, you've had those in- instances where you like a guy in film and then you see him in person. And you're like, like what? Like, that's not the kid yeah. I was expecting. So the same it's, just, thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great cross check. And I think it's definitely necessary. It's like so. online dating. I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You've got to, you've got to, sort of go with you can't you gotta, just you gotta just verify go in person yeah, yeah exactly you gotta verify it all that but anyway all right charles we appreciate you charles power 24 7 sports thanks for joining us here on the inside the game podcast appreciate it thanks